Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Today I'm talking to my friend Joanna, and Joanna, you're English, you live in Australia, but you've spent a lot of time in Papua New Guinea, and so that's what we're talking about today. And for the uninitiated, what and where is Papua New Guinea? Uh, Papua New Guinea is in the Pacific, but it's very close to Australia. A lot of Australians actually don't realize this, but at the closest point, Papua New Guinea is only 10 kilometers from Australia, so it's by far the nearest neighboring country to Australia. Right, and didn't it used to be part of Australia? Aren't there kangaroos uh, that are in Papua New Guinea because it was once connected to the mainland of Australia? It was, yes. It was connected to sort of far north Queensland. So there are certain species like kangaroos and cassowaries, which are a, a colorful but large bird that walks through the rainforest that you only find in north Queensland and Papua New Guinea. Oh, there you go. And so when did your interest in Papua New Guinea begin, or how did it begin? Um, my interest in Papua New Guinea began um, when I was quite young through the sport that I grew up watching, rugby league. Um, so there's a few different types of the sport of rugby, and rugby league is one that is particularly popular in parts of England, where I'm from, Australia, and parts of New Zealand, but mainly Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is actually the only country in the world that calls the sport of rugby league its national sport, um, which is a bit surprising because it's not the best country at the sport. In fact, for many years, um, the national team lost most of its matches. But it's, it's, a, it's um, what happened was Australians sort of introduced this sport to Papua New Guinea in the, the 60s and 70s, and it just took on a life of its own there. So I was always familiar with this country because I came across players playing in England from Papua New Guinea and we all knew that this was the country where everyone was obsessed with this sport and it was a, a fascinating tribal country. So we were all just a little bit intrigued by it. And after I moved to Australia, I got the opportunity to, to go there and, and cover the sport of rugby league. Yeah, it's funny because it's a country that's not really well known probably to a lot of people in different countries around the world. But yeah, you can have just this little entryway into the society and the culture that you had with rugby league and, uh, and there you go. That's right. Most people who have something to do with Papua New Guinea had... A specific reason for that and for me it was rugby league and another thing it's famous for is having a lot of very rare species um, quite often um, scientists go into PNG to an, a, a place in the jungle that not many people go to and they discover new species even in the last few years this is still happening so I suppose a lot of people who are interested in the country are approaching it from a scientific perspective but for me it was about the sport. Okay so you go to uh, Papua New Guinea several times a year and still related to the sport so what is it exactly that you do when you're there? Um, the first thing I did there was I worked on a community development program that uses the popularity of this sport to, to make a positive change in society. So encouraging kids to go to school every day, which is not always a common thing in a developing country like Papua New Guinea, and promoting respectful behavior. So there's a lot of traditional beliefs and sort of cultural reasons why gender equality hasn't always been good in a place like PNG. And this program used the sport of rugby league, even with textbooks and resources built around the sport to promote ideas about respecting women and, and that sort of thing. So I worked as a media advisor on that program and in media roles in the sport. And I'm also making a documentary there about the women's rugby league team. That's great. And having come from England, having worked and lived in England and in Australia, when you went to Papua New Guinea and had to work there, I imagine there were challenges there for you. Yes, it's a very different place to live and work. Um, 
I suppose in, in the modern, modern day, one of the things you notice most when you're working there is that the internet is so slow. Um, you, you can't watch a video on YouTube or anything often. Just to download an attachment can take ages. Um, so that's one of the things that you notice daily in your working life. Um, it's a country that has very few roads because there's a lot of mountains. So you have to fly to get between almost any part of the country. And flights are cancelled very frequently. Um, so you get used to booking a flight, going to the airport, it not happening, and then come back the next day. Um, so there are certain, certain things you get used to, but um, the people are really friendly and they, they sort of embrace you. And, and that's how I've started to feel like I'm, I'm part, of, part of the country. So even as kind of an outsider, uh, you've come in and, and been accepted by them? Yes, although not immediately. I think when, like when you move to any country, it takes a while. And, and for the first year, um, when I actually lived there all the time, maybe not so much, but I've been going back and forth for three years now, a little bit over three years. And um, as I sort of learned the language more, um, that also helped as well to sort of become a bit more part of life there. Right, so talking about the language, you were saying a couple of days ago that there are, what, 800 languages spoken in Papua New Guinea? Yes, Papua New Guinea has about a third of all the languages in the world, more than 800 languages in one country. So many of them are only spoken by a small number of people. You might hear that and wonder whether a lot of them are quite similar, which I wondered too, but I'm told that they're mostly quite different. So they really are 800 distinct languages. But because there are so many, um, there are a couple of national languages, one of which is English, but many, many people don't speak English. And another one is um, Pidgin English, or as it's called there, Tokpisin, which is kind of a combination of English and some PNG words and has just been created over the last few decades to be a national language. And is there a standardized version of that, or is it a little bit different as you go around? I suppose it's standardized, but it's also very rarely written down. It's not really a written language, so... Um, you, there is a dictionary, so if you're trying to learn the language, this is quite interesting because you can't really buy a textbook or anything. Um, you learn it by talking to people. You do see it written down sometimes on signs, um, but it is mostly a spoken language, so there's sort of quite a lot of slang and words get made even shorter and shorter. And um, so, so yeah, it's, it's standardised, but it, it's sort of taken on a life of its own in some places. Right, so how have you gone about learning some of this, just uh, with talking to people, like you said? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, there were sort of certain words I picked up, and especially over the past year, because I've worked with a lot of rugby players who speak this all the time between them, um, and I, I could sort of see that some of them would respond to me better if I spoke to them in, in talk piss, and so I just sort of started speaking it more, started hearing it more. I was also filming a lot of interviews in Tokpis in which I then had to listen back to and, and try and translate. At the beginning, it was just to try and make sense of, but now I can basically translate them. So I suppose that was a good way of doing it, just listening back to things and playing them again until I got my understanding perfect. And then if there's just one or two words I don't know, I just send a WhatsApp message to one of my friends in PNG. What does this one word mean? And they tell me, and then it all fits together. Yeah, it's always one of those things when you live in a place like that where you need that friend, that local friend who can help you with all the stuff that you need to do. The same when we lived in China, we always had friends that we would always text to, to help us out in interesting situations. So the capital is Port Moresby. What kind of a city is that? Port Moresby doesn't have a very good reputation. Um, anyone who's ever Googled Port Moresby will discover that uh, there's a lot of talk about crime, which is true. There is a lot of crime in Port Moresby. Um, but 
It's a city that's changing really fast. It's hosted some major sporting events over the last few years. And this year, it's actually hosting APEC, um, which is a huge international gathering of Asia-Pacific countries. Um, the US will be there as well, China. So they're fast building lots of uh, infrastructure for that, new roads, big hotels. Um, so it's a city that's changing fast, and it doesn't really reflect the rest of the country, which is still quite quite rustic in some ways. And so do you have to travel often to these other parts of the country and see that contrast? I've been lucky enough to travel a bit, yes. Um, there's some beautiful parts of the coast and islands and places where you can dive and snorkel and, and kayak around little islands, which is probably the nicest part of Papua New Guinea. But Papua New Guinea is also famous for its highlands, so the mountainous regions um, where there's still a lot of traditional tribal culture. It's a lot cooler up there. It's very hot in Port Moresby, but it's nice and cool in the mountains. Um, great local fruit and vegetables grown, which makes me happy because I'm a vegetarian. Um, so there's a lot of, a huge variety in the country, and it's, it's really great to be able to get out of Port Moresby and see other places. So overall, with all your experience that you've had in, in Papua New Guinea, what would you say are the lessons that you've learned from the whole thing? Wow. Um, well, I'm still learning quite a lot. I think one thing I've learned is that... Um, some of, the, some of the, the people I work with there, some of the female rugby league players who are kind of my age but have grown up in such a different country and in such different circumstances, we really share the same views on so many things. I found out the other day that one of them growing up, her favourite Australian rugby league player was the same as mine, and I was growing up in London and she was growing up in Port Moresby. So I guess sport makes the world very small like that. All right, thank you very much for your insight. Listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com.